This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Hello, good evening, bonsoir, good morning, guten tag, I don't know. Hi, welcome to the wine situation. Ugh, what an opening that was. It was all discombobulated almost as much as I am. Who am I? What is the show? What are we doing? Where are we even? I'm in Los Angeles. I don't know where you are, but you know. Okay, uh, let's back it up. This is the wine situation. The situation being we're still, you know, more or less under lockdown. Although things are starting to open out here. Um, but, you know, we're, we're trying not to gather with too many people. At least not like we used to. It's, you know the watering holes, the saloons and such, the dive bars. We're not all just like chumming, chumming up, chumming. I think chumming is something you do to water to attract sharks. Uh, We're not being chummy at bars close up in each other's faces, or at least we're not supposed to be and we shouldn't be because there's a pandemic. Uh, So the situation is we're doing more drinking at home and I am here to be your drinking pal all tell you some things to hopefully amuse you. I might educate you a bit about vino, uh, which today we really are drinking a vino. It's Italian wine. Uh, I'm here to taste wine with you. I will interact with you on the interwebs if you want to find me under uh, Ellen Clifford. Oh yeah, that's me. I'm L Clifford. (laughs) Say it like the letter L. Or Ellen, but also L. L Clifford. I am relative, like I have more qualifications than some people and less than others to be telling you about wine. I am one test away, but we'll see how it goes because it's coming up really soon. Um, One test away from having my diploma from the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. I am a certified sommelier with the Codemaster Sommeliers. I write stuff for Delectable. I'm working on something for Venice. I do this podcast, I drink a lot of wine, I spit out a lot of wine. That's how you know you're really, really a a professional wine person. When you're like, oh, so much wine to get through, bring out the spit bucket. Also, it's like 10 a.m., so I'm not an alcoholic. I'm going to be spitting that wine out, except for not now, guys. Now it's nearly 10 o'clock at night, and I have a glass of wine that I'm going to enjoy with you. Um, yeah, so that's what this, uh, podcast is, is it's, you know, here to teach you about wine and be your friend. And that's who I am. I'm here to be your friend and tell you about wine. And as I said, you know, look on Instagram for Ellen Clifford. Maybe I'll come up if you search for L Clifford, uh, E-L-L-E. But also, yeah, I think my official name is still Ellen Clifford. The pod is on there is the wine situation. I love hearing from you guys. Because it just gives me so much more, you know, uh, insight onto how the rest of the world sees wine and me. And if this podcast is not about wine, then it's probably about me. And if it's not about me, it's about all these glorious wine segments that I prepare for you and the tangents that come with them. It's also a podcast where I go on about life. It's also a podcast about goth shit. You know why? Because I will never actually stop being goth even, 
dressed in pink, even dressed in white, especially probably dressed in white. I don't know. That's like the opposite of goth. Actually, no, pink is really the opposite, which makes it the gothest thing on earth. You guys, you know the Billie Eilish, and guys, I love Billie Eilish so much. That could be a segment. Um, but you know that song, she's like, you should see me in a crown. I'm like, you should see me in pink. It'll really make you think that she's got some goth stuff, goth stuff. Oh God, I'm so sorry, guys. Okay, that was a tangent nobody needed. I should probably delete it, but I'm not going to. How are you? How are you doing? How is your lockdown going? Is it going? Are you going out more? Are you staying in more? Are you getting scared for the second wave of the pandemic? Is life no longer, is the pandemic the new normal so much that we're not even thinking about it? Are you thinking about the election? I sure am. Have you voted yet? I have. So if you haven't, fill that ballot out and drop it off, please. And if for some reason, wherever you are doesn't have like um, you know, mail-in or drop-off ballots, then I hope you have your game plan and you know where you're going on election day, provided you're planning on, you know, voting for Biden. Not that this is a political podcast, but this is such a political podcast, so political, in fact, that, um, you know, I'm trying to feature wines made by, well, there might be some goth wines that break the other parts of this rule, but, you know, I'm trying to focus on wines made by women and or pretty much anyone but cisgender straight white men. Um, oh, guys, let's have an agenda. Uh, yeah, it's only like five minutes in, but so let's get that agenda going so that we can just get through this podcast and get on with our days um, a little bit in line and maybe a little happier. I feel like this has been sort of a bitter start so far, or weird, or off-kilter. Maybe it's because I haven't had any wine yet. Uh, okay, agenda. We're going to have a, another game that actually is a game, the Who, What, When, Where, Why wine, where I drop clues throughout an episode. As I like to say, it is the bones upon which the plant-centric protein of this podcast hang off. It gives us a little bit of structure, a little direction, a goal to get to. What is that wine that Ellen is talking about? Um, so we're going to have that. We are going to have a wine that is not only a woman-made wine, but it is also a goth wine. <laughs> I'm really excited to drink it. It's This glass is just staring me down with this steely goth glare, like... You ready for me? Are you ready for me? I'm like, I'm ready for you. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so we're gonna have that. We are going to have a just add wine. Um, and then we're gonna peace out. And like I said, uh, I guess before, yeah, before I get into the game, I just want to say I'm sorry if I seem off kilter today. I I wanna know how you are, and maybe that's because I am having one of those days where Maybe, so I have in like just a little over a week, I have the sparkling wine test for, for this diploma. And you guys, I don't mean to be a whiny little bitch, but like it's just now, just a, a couple days over four months ago that I had a couple seizures and that made me lose study time. And quite frankly, I'm just, I'm still not feeling 100%. Uh, my body still hurts a lot. My, I... Uh, I'm tired a lot. My memory is still a little wonk, and I'm like, man, I don't mean that to sound like an excuse. Trust me, if I 
could take away my brain damage from 10 years ago, I would take, I would, I'd be really happy to have that memory back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really just kind of tired and I feel bad when I don't remember things, especially if it's like conversations I have with people because I don't, and I even, I listened to a podcast today about how to like better remember things, but it was good stuff for like remembering facts, but like, you don't, I don't want to go through life every day, every conversation having to be like, how am I going to commit this to memory? Like, I used to just remember things. I'm so sorry. I'm being whiny. I'm just, I'm kind of tired, guys. And I'm trying to get back to work and I'm trying to study for this test and I'm just kind of tired. But that's part of why I'm doing this podcast, because talking to you guys usually makes me feel better. And to be fair, until about a month ago, like, I was having a hell of a reasonable quarantine. I had this podcast to do, my work was still active, um, I was doing Zoom plays, you know, even just, uh, just this week, I, so I thought I was gonna have a moment, like, okay, here we go, tangent, I thought I was gonna have a moment, like, any good, like, 90s girls shaving her head, um, type of rom-con or, or even that, uh, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, you know, basically if a woman stands in the mirror and cuts her own hair, it's cause she's her own woman. And I was like thinking, Ooh, I shaved most of my head in the nineties. Maybe I'm going to like shave part of my head now, partly cause I was just, my hair is getting so long and I haven't braved a hair salon. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't even know if I can, or if my, 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 my hair person is doing hair. Hi, Jazz at Hotheads. She's really good. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do like an asymmetrical thing. The part of my hair that's normally shorter, I I, tr I came up with an outline of where I was going to shave and I pulled out some scissors and started like cutting into the hair to make it shorter. And then I was like, you know what? I don't have like electric clippers. Like this is going to be really wacky if I do this with a razor. So maybe I'm just going to trim this side of the hair shorter. And then I was like, maybe I'll maybe basically I'll try and recreate what my hairstylist does, which is an asymmetrical cut. Unfortunately, my style is more punk rock than precise. So I gave me my, I, get, I, I gave myself my first uh, quarantine haircut. And it feels so much good to have shorter hair. It's a little wacky, it's a little wonk, but I don't really care. I'm really happy to have my short haircut back. You'll see it if you see the uh you know the instagram photo that goes with this episode so good things are happening um i'm gonna be a guest on the uh just add life or wait pairs with life it's called pairs with life um podcast next week talking about pairing classic golf songs with wine so life life is not all bad why don't we get on with our game that is a game the bones the goth goth bones upon which the plant-based protein hopefully not the, um, what's it called? Whatever that fake burger stuff is everyone's into that I don't want to eat because it looks too much like meat. But other than that, the plant-based protein, sorry guys, I need to learn how to be more, um, I don't know, short-winded, maybe. But if I was, would I be hosting a podcast? Contemplate that. Let's have a who for our who, what, when, where, why, whine. Wine, not whine. Whine is when there's an H, Wine is what we're drinking, and there is no H, and that's how you say it, is wine. Who, what, when, why, why, wine. Your who is Graham Beck. Okay, let's introduce today's wine. As I said, it's both a woman-made wine and a wine that's rather goth. Um, I don't remember what episode it was, and I didn't 
feel like looking it up. But if you find uh, one of my goth grapes I told you about earlier was Alianico. Uh, partly because one of the regions, uh, one, of, one of the DOC, uh, DOCGs? DOC? Wait, is it? Oh my god, why can't I remember if it's a DOC or a DOCG? Uh, anyway, um, oh shit, no, it's just a DOC, but the Alianico del Vulturi uh, DOC, just that sounds super goth. And also, this is made by a woman. This is the Elena Fucci. Uh, F-U-C-C-I, is Fuchi the right way to say, like Gucci, but Fuchi? Uh, Elena Fuchi Titolo, that's the proprietary name they gave it. Uh, also, I think it, well, I'll get into more about the winery. I think maybe it's also the subregion. Hold on. Um, I try not to research too much before telling you about these wines, but sometimes that means I haven't read everything I printed out. Anyway, this is the Elliot El... El uh-huh. Elena Fucci, Titolo Alianico del Vulturi, 2016. Um, so Alianico is the grape. Um, Elena Fucci is the winemaker. And so what I was reading is like apparently her family had gotten the land like in the 60s, I believe, and then they were going to sell it. And then she's like, no, I can't let it go. Or at least everything's written in first person on their uh, webpage, and I'm assuming it's Elena, especially because then like all the pictures of them are are her. Um, so I'm assuming she's the one who wrote, and here I'll just read you what she said. It may seem like a story written by a novelist, but when I confided to my parents the idea I had and my intention to study enology at the university, they were immediately delighted and willing to lend a hand, especially my father, who seemed to harbor this dream for some time. In fact, I found him to be well-versed in agronomy and everything else that would be needed to start this new venture. The winery came to life with the 2000 vintage concurrently with my studies at the faculty Faculty of Viticulture and Enology. Initially, we were assisted by an external consultant, while in 2004, all facets of the winery were taken over in first person. The choice from the beginning, without any regret, spoken like a goth, um, was to stake everything on a single label, the titolo, envisioning it as a high-quality, first-class wine or, quote, unquote, cru as in C-R-U, crew. And to, to go on, on the website, they say, one of the greatest compliments given to the Titolo is its recognizability among other wines. Recognizability that is based on the representation of the territory from which it comes. Whoever comes to visit the winery and the company will visit Southern Italian vineyards. Guys, um, Alianco del Vulture is in Basilicata, by the way. Um, okay, sorry, go on, going on with what she said. Whoever comes to visit the winery and the company will visit Southern Italian vineyards located in a mountainous inland area at an altitude of 600 meters. They will visit a type of volcanic, volcanic, <laughs> volcanic terrain. Uh, guys, what's gother than a volcano? The, angst, the ennui, the unsureness that comes with lava spewing in the air. That, that was Ellen commentary, going back to what Elena says. Uh, they will visit a type of volcanic terrain, a strong mineral soil, dark in color, and pozzolanic? I don't know what pozzolanic is, guys. Look it up. Let me know. Which clearly catalogs in its layers the history and the life of the Volturi volcano. Walking between the rows, one can always see the extinct 
Mount Volturi, Volturi volcano just a few hundred meters away, an ancient volcano which gave rise to the lava cliffs upon which my vines, house and town of Barile, are located. One can note the eruptive phases composed of lava flows, lapilli and ash, interspersed with periods of stasis composed of layers of clay. My God, she's a poet, guys. All this is reflected in the glass when you savor the bouquet and the taste and, and taste the wine. Um, just a couple more things. And my God, I'm looking at a picture of Elena Fucci and she has this raven hair, the straight black hair and these bangs that I'm like, she, she looks like a goth at heart. Okay, um, perched above the famous Via Rotondo, the Fucci property towers over the heart of the Alianco del Vitturi area in Basilicata. At 650 meters of altitude, the soil is pure black volcanic lava, also known as Pozzolana. Oh, that's what she was talking about. So this is a type of soil called Pozzolana. I'm going to have to add that to my list of crazy soil names, guys. Um, not crazy, just there's a lot of really cool soil names. Ooh, that should be a segment I do on this. Let me make a note. Hold on. Okay, I paused and made a note. I'm back. Okay. <clears throat> Titolo is the name of this lava channel, or costone, which came down from the now extinct Volteri volcano. Nobody owns vineyards higher than the Fuchis. No winery harvests later than the Fuchis, making these Alianico grapes the last grapes harvested in all of Europe for dry red wine making! Exclamation point. I'm so excited to try this wine. So what's going to happen now is I'm going to uh, taste this wine. God, guys, I feel better already and I haven't even had a glass of wine. I just like learning about wine and talking with you guys, especially when learning about wine involves new soil types because... Okay, seriously, this is going to be a new um, segment because I have I have lists of fun names for bottle shapes. I have a list of all the interesting different like named soils I have learned of over the years. I have a list of interesting uh, wind names and also interesting interesting uh, current names. Also interesting. Um, names for vine training systems. I make so many lists, guys, but these lists, those lists are some of my favorites, especially the soil ones. So maybe that's going to be a new segment. Wait for it. <laughs> and we could call this the first one. The soil of the week for this week is Pozzolana. Pozzolana? Pozzolana? It's Pozzolanic. And it's so goth. Okay, we're going to taste this wine, then we're going to have another clue, then we're going to play the game that's not a game what's in the glass, where I walk you through a tasting of this. Um, then we'll find out what the other people said about this wine, because I'm not going to read that until I've made my own judgments. And then we'll get on with things. This already is going on far too long, I'm sure. You guys, cheers. Whew. Damn. That's fascinating. It smells and tastes like Italian wine, and yet it's got something else going on. I do. Wow. Okay, um, let's get back to the game that is a game real quick. Remember, your who was Graham Beck. Your what? Uh, it's several what's. Now, don't, don't get too excited with the first two, thinking you know where I'm going. Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Chenin Blanc, and Pinotage. Those are your four what's. Okay, now we're going to play the game. It's not a game, what's in glass. 
So, starting with, like, looking at this wine, it is freaking opaque, darkly, darkly red, um, uh, yeah, darkly ruby wine. Yeah, that's thick as heck. It's got some heavy, slow tears. This wine is a strong, strong brute goth. Oh, yeah, it is. Smell is medium plus. Oh, so I get this like chocolate thing, this like vanilla and chocolate and a little bit of like, it's something that I used to call viney, like dried grape vines. Um, and also just like, there's like dried blackberries and there's some prune in here. And just that slight like bit of VA vinegary thing that like wine often has. Um, yeah, a hint of cocoa. Did I say that already? It's like cocoa and mud. It's like dried bake er baked earth. Um, maybe that's the Pozzulana soil. I don't know. Uh, let's take a taste and do a little structure, shall we? We shall. Medium acid. Medium plus they're, they're slightly rough-hewn tannins. Um, this is 2016. They've had a little bit of time to get, they're like soft, but they're still like, it's like they're, they're a mesh, but it's like a loose mesh, not a fine mesh. Just not just yet. Not unpleasant though. It's just um, these tannins are still a little medium plus. They're still a little roughly hewn. Like this, this wine should age. Um, the alcohol. Hmm. Uh, medium-ish. I mean, it's southern Italy. I want it to be like, this is 15.5, but it's more like maybe 14.5. I don't know. Um, let's see if the bottle tells us. Oh, but it's got, well, they say 14. So it's probably 14.5. I don't know. Um, ooh, there's more facts about it on the, the back. The titula vineyard, the, the exposition of, of the vines is south-southeast. The grape uh, age, oh, 50 to 70 year old vines. Yeah. And the, uh, bottles produced, this is number 07595 out of 28,000. It's 600, uh, uh, the altitude is 600 meters. Um, wow, I didn't see all these facts on the back of the bottle. Anyway, um, so structure, yeah, the tannin, roughly hewn, medium plus, but not unpleasant, like it's ripe tannin. Uh, medium alcohol, yeah, I think that registers as medium. Uh, the court would probably call it medium plus. Uh, body's medium plus. Flavor intensity is medium plus. You are getting like a lot of dried fruit on this. You're getting dried prunes. I mean, prunes are obviously, they're dried plums, guys. Uh, but these are like black ones. And blackberries, a little bit of red fruit, like oh, some currant, um, just straight up raisins, guys, honestly. Uh, definitely there is something green and, as I would like to say, viney. Uh, I wonder. Hmm. I feel like there was probably some stem inclusion. Yeah, there's like almost a hint of pepper. Like black pepper and green pepper. But not pink pepper or white pepper. Just green or black pepper. Maybe more green pepper. You guys, if you don't believe me that different colors of pepper taste and smell wildly different, then I encourage you to 
Explore your pepper options and educate yourself. <sighs> Maybe I should do a pepper tasting segment. Wait, making a note. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with new ideas for segments just to keep myself keep myself fresh. Hold on. Uh, taste the pepper. Ooh, actually, that could be a good segment for this podcast um, where I just taste the things that wine is supposed to taste like to see if it really does taste the things. I'm writing it down. Wine is okay sorry i actually paused but i didn't want to have to read through that whole thing anyway um so yeah definitely a peppery kind of thing going on on this this is like and still just like that now i'm almost getting like a sea breeze on it which is weird i don't know why maybe it's just that altitude this wine feels both rustic but also Yeah, it feels like rustic, but also still kind of young. Like it's got wild ideas about how it wants to party, but also sometimes it wants to go to bed at midnight, which for me, midnight's, I mean, maybe that's late for some people. For me, midnight's like, that's old folk bedtime. I don't go to bed before midnight. <laughs> Why would I do that? I should, but I don't, except for when I'm like really in the depths of, you know, recovering from brain, tra tra <laughs> from brain trauma, stuff like that. Um, I'm so dark, guys. God. Uh, yeah, there's like almost a syrupy fruit nature to it in addition to the, the dried. But there's some cedar on this. I think this saw, it saw some, saw some oak, I believe. Um, yeah, it has almost a woodsy nature. It's stony. It's woodsy. It's rough hewn. And yet it's not wearing... Uh, boring clothes. It's got a bright pink um, yeah, Poochie <laughs> Blazer on I don't know does Poochie make is that a fashion? I know there's Gucci, but is there also Poochie? I don't know. All I know is that the swine is made by Elena Fucci Okay, let's think about the finish the finish. Oh, we could also think about the beginning mid and back palette if anyone cares I don't know Hmm up front, I get the cocoa. Mid-palate, I get all the greenery. Throughout the whole thing, I get the dried fruit. That little hint of balsamic vinegar that makes this taste like fucking Italian wine. Um, this is a lot of fun. This is super goth. I feel like it could use a couple more years of age, possibly. Um, it's got reasonable acid. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it would... It... it I think this wine could use food. I don't say that a lot, but this wine could use, I mean, for me, it would be like a meaty ass mushroom and a wine sauce. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Um, for, for people, <laughs> I'm not a person. I'm me for people, probably some kind of like steak, something with a lot of protein. Um, this needs some squeaky ass protein to go with it. It's delicious. It is complex. It is a mere $38.99 on wine.com where I found it. I'm enjoying this wine. It's fascinating. It inherits, or it inherits, inhabits a slightly different world, which actually, I guess given the fact that these are like super high vineyards on an extinct volcano, it kind of is a different world. Um, I picture it, oh, I, oh God, I can't wait to travel again because I, 
Alianco del Vulture as a goth would be top on my list of places to visit. <laughs> okay, um, let's read everybody else's notes on it and see how mine line up. Like, they're probably going to be completely different. I don't know. Um, the winemaker notes are dark and intense ruby red with ample and complex nose yielding ethereal spices, cherry, blackberry, preserves. Oh, preserves, not dried, excuse me. Uh, rosemary, maybe that's the vine. Oh, tobacco. Oh, she's right, tobacco. And cinnamon with light hints of vanilla. Dry in the palate and full-bodied with firm tannins. They are firm. And a long finish. Although a young wine when released, it is destined for a great future. Are you fucking kidding me? This is... I would like a bottle of this in a few years just to see where it goes. Wow, this got some really high scores too. Like Robert Parker, bless his soul. <laughs> I say as though he's dead. He's not. He's just retired, I think. Gave it 94. Although these days, it was probably one of his minions giving it that score. Decanter gave it 91. Um, well, let's see what Robert Park Parker's wine advocate said. <clears throat> Elena Fucci's 2016 Alianico del Vettore Titolo is a wine built for the long haul. What was I saying? It should continue its steady evolution over the next 20 years, if not more. Guys, I am drinking this too young. It's clear. Stitched together with enormous precision, the wine offers balanced intensity and a beautiful level of fruit purity that speaks both to the Alianico grape and the extreme territory that shapes it. This vintage finishes on a dry note with fine texture and elegantly integrated tannins. The wine is aged in barrique for 12 months. In barrique, guys, that's a small oak barrel. Of which half is new oak. Oh, that's where it's getting all its, like, vanilla cocoa shit. With the various levels of toast. Mm, as in the barrels. So they toast the insides of barrels, and depending how much is... Sorry, wine nerdery, it's probably too much. The blah, 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 blah. The wines range from 50 to 70 years old, planted up to 650 meters above sea level. We knew that already. Decanter said, <clears throat> taking over the winemaking from her father, Salvatore, whose vineyards... Why does everyone keep wanting to talk about these 650-meter vineyards? I mean, I guess that's... That's some, that's some altitude. On the slopes of volcanic mountain Volturi, Elena Fucci has made an expressive, elegant Alianico whose fresh aromas of rosemary and thyme. What is... Okay, I guess I need to smell rosemary more often because apparently that's what everyone was tasting on this. And thyme lead to a lively textured cherry fruited... You guys, I don't get the cherry on this. I'm sorry. I get a lot of blackberry. I get currants. I get... I don't get cherry. I don't. Maybe I'll taste it tomorrow and see. Uh, one glass of this is going to last me a while because this is a heady fucking wine, especially without food. Holy crap. Mm. Okay. Um, okay. Rosemary and thyme lead to a lively textured cherry-fruited palate reminiscent of fine Barbera. What the fuck, Decanter? This is tasteless. This does not make me think of Barbera. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Decanter. I don't know what you got over there in England. I think that's where Decanter is based. Um, anyway, okay. The sinewy texture, gently polished by French oak and etched with vivid volcanic acidity. It does have some acid on it. You guys, this is a fun-ass wine. Uh, that's like the rudest way to uh, describe it, but it's really interesting, and I really do genuinely, I'm like, shit, I drank this. It's 2016, so it's like four years old. I mean, but it's, yeah, it's four years old. It is going to get... The tannins are going to polymerize anymore. It's going to get silkier. It's going to get even more ethereal. The, like, I feel like in, like a lot of times wines, I don't know why this is, but sometimes when they're first put together, they're amazing. 
then sometimes they go through like bottle shock that's early on and then sometimes they show extraordinarily well for one or two years and then they fucking shut down for a while they're like nope gonna take a nap gonna let shit polymerize and get make friends and then like 10 years after they emerge like a butterfly from the chrysalis this is a wine that i can tell might have come in like a now i'm using like when I'm like, March comes in like a lion and out like a, um, I think this wine might be like, it's still fun ass wine. Um, I think it might be like right now in in between phase. So I really kind of want to buy a bottle of it and taste it again in five years. Um, but it's still delicious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I just had to pause and take a sip of water, which I'm supposed to mostly be drinking Gatorade because when my sodium looked Oh, that's the other thing making me tired. Sorry, I'm complaining way too much. The other thing making me tired is just that, like, uh, the health issues I had uh, a month ago were, like, so out of the blue and unexpected. I mean, technically, maybe not totally, but, like, they were due to, like, a brain injury from 10 years ago. So the problem is that now, like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing in terms of keeping my sodium up and resting and, like, not drinking too much wine because... You just, you know, you don't want to mess with your electrolytes too much. Um, but, like, every pain I get that's, like, abnormal. Like, basically, just when you have something out of the blue health-wise happen to you, there's a period of time where, like, you're on hyper alert for anything abnormal because I it was very scary when I didn't know what was wrong with me when apparently, I, like, it was very scary. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, I don't want that to happen. So, but then I waste excess energy being worried about what's probably not going to happen. Sorry. Okay, that's part of why I'm tired also. It's like uh, existential dread. That's not goth. Oh, if I didn't say it last episode, another reason, like, being someone who's had seizures is goth is, like, lead singer of Joy Division totally had seizures. And the song, She's Lost Control, totally about someone having seizures. It's about me, guys! Um, okay, wait, where are we? So we tasted this, we had a who, we had a what. Let's have a when. Let's get back to the game and the joy. And I apologize again if, like, so far season five has been, like, dark and dismal. <clears throat> who? Graham Beck. What? Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Chenin Blanc, and Pinotage. When? 1992. Okay, next segment is is just add wine which has to do somewhat with like i hear there are parts of the country where they're opening movie theaters so my just add wine is like you know what happens when you add wine to movies and here's the thing like i had never been someone well who who like did much like wine drinking uh in theaters well in part because until recently they didn't have wine in theaters um I think it was like six, not six, it was like three or four years ago I was dating someone and we went to the Arclight, Ar the Arclight, that's like the big theater chain here, the, the Arclight is marvelous guys, if you come to LA see a movie at the Arclight you won't be sad, um, if they're even, they're not open right now I'm sure, uh, and he's like oh we can get wine to take in, I was like oh my god wine in a movie theater, what a luxury. Uh, and my thing with wine and movies is, like, you don't want to drink too much before you see a movie because, like, that might make you sleepy or, like, less able to pay attention. But having a glass of wine in a movie theater is a thing of beauty also because wine, particularly, like, a nice uh, Chardonnay, goes really well with popcorn. I also love red wine and popcorn. And um, the other time I think particularly of having wine with movies is... um. 
well, two times. When I first moved to LA, there was someone who I spent some time with. Okay, he's an ex-boyfriend. Um, and we would get together on Fridays and drink a bottle of wine and uh, watch a movie. And I was like, oh my God, red wine, and, like Zinfandel and popcorn. That's <laughs> so good. It's so comforting. Uh, when I visit St. Louis in the winter, a lot of times uh, it's around Christmas, and so I come home with all my like SAG-AFTRA screeners, because the SAG Awards. Guys, I don't, will we get any screeners this year? Did many movies even come out? I'm not sure what's going to happen with SAG Awards this year, when they'll happen, or if we'll get screeners, but so I go home to St. Louis, and it's cold, and it's wintry, and we're like, what are we going to do today, kids, besides the same thing we do every day, Pinky, try and take over the world, sorry, Animaniacs moment. Um, so frequently it'll be like, oh, mid to late afternoon, let's watch one of Ellen's screeners, which is like a treat for the family, because a lot of times they're movies that are either not out yet or just barely came out or definitely not like available for home watching. And, you know, there's popcorn and we'll open some wine. It's like a cozy winter afternoon activity. What I'm saying is wine and movies. To me, particularly red wine, even though they say Chardonnay is what pairs best with popcorn, um, a nice winter, and it's hot as fuck right now in Los Angeles, but like it's getting to be autumn everywhere else, but like uh, wine plus movie is a delightful thing. Now, you, there's not going to be that much of it in theaters um, coming up, partly because I heard that like part of the reason they're not opening a lot of movie theaters is apparently because they're not allowed to serve concessions, which kind of makes sense, like people just coughing all over the popcorn. I don't know, guys. But taking another sip of this wine, which just keeps opening and evolving. My goodness, hold on. Nope, still not tasting cherry. Maybe rosemary, though. Um, anyway, so one of the things, though, happening with movies recently is there's the drive-in is being revived. Which, guys, I hate sitting in cars more than pretty much anything. The only thing I hate more than sitting in cars just parked is, like, being stuck trying to get out of big events in a car. So you will not see me go into drive-ins anytime soon. Also, it occurred to me, like, if you want to have wine with a movie, doing it when you're going to be driving is probably not a good idea. I mean, maybe you could go to the drive-in with someone who doesn't drink and just be like, Hi! Me and my friends will be over here with the wine, but that seems rude. Um, so, you know, this was just, those were all my miscellaneous, just at, like, I think adding wine to a movie, particularly if it's winter, particularly if you have some nice popcorn, it just, to me, movies, particularly watching them on the big screen, it's kind of like a feast, provided it's a good movie. It's a feast. It's a cozy event. It's a artistically and emotionally fulfilling events sometimes it's just like fluff but like it's it's for me seeing a movie on the big screen is a treat for like all the senses um well almost all the senses except for taste until you add wine i mean granted i also like particularly um <laughs> yeah no it's true sometimes i go to screenings and because i just don't drink diet soda that much because I'm like I'm gonna get a diet coke and go crazy and that's kind of a treat but um it's not quite the same sensory like joy of also adding a glass of wine 
which I don't always do, but when I do, I enjoy it, but I don't know when it's going to happen again in a theater. But, you know, I recommend one glass of wine with a movie and some popcorn is a delight. Now, person who in LA introduced me to Arclight uh, wine drinking, we also discovered one time that the guy was like, well, you know, you can get these two movie pours, which is like, uh, basically equals like one and a half glasses of wine, I think. He's like, or for $5 more, you'll get the whole freaking bottle, um, which conveniently fits in two giant cups. Not even giant. Like, guys, there's basically four glasses of wine in one. There's about three cups, as we call them in the U.S. of A, because uh, we have not figured out liters yet, apparently, um, in a bottle of wine. And that equals roughly between three and five glasses of wine, depending who you're pouring for. So it's not like actually that decadent to have, if you're watching a three hour movie, two glasses of wine, it's not that crazy. But we're like, the whole bottle of wine and two glasses, you don't say. Uh, so that was fun. Um, that was my random off the wall, probably too much for you. Just add wine, musing on just adding wine to movies. I have a note here saying also baseball because, oh my God, baseball is driving me crazy, guys. Like the Cardinals came so close. And today, as I record this, oh, I, I can't even talk about it. <sighs> the chest pains, like, I would be worried that chest pains were somehow like the signal of another seizure coming on, but right now I think chest pains are like from baseball because I'm like, oh my god, baseball. Being a fan is real. Oh my god. <clears throat> okay, let's go back to the game. This game, who? Graham Beck. What? Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Chenin Blanc, Pinotage. When? 1992. Where? Oh, once again, it's a bunch of them. Robertson, Stellenbosch, Parle, that's P-A-A-R-L. Darling, Toolbox, and Bonnie Bell. Okay, before I give you your why, I'm just going to say, you know, if you feel like it, go on the iTunes, rate me, review me, at least leave me five stars. If you want to leave me less, don't bother. Um, if you feel like just making any kind of comment, any kind of nice comment, and Ellen's fun. I would like to drink wine with Ellen. I do drink wine with Ellen. She's fun as hell. She's a quality hang, whatever you want to say about me. As long as it's nice, you can make it up. I, maybe don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be like, Ellen saved me from... Never mind. I'm not going to go further with that. Anyway, uh, you know, if you feel like going on iTunes, rating, reviewing, super cool. Do it. Okay, so your why you would drink this wine. And this is sort of like a category of a type of wine, by the way. Um is that you have standards you're always looking to improve. Uh, the, you know, one of the standards for this wine is it has a minimum of three bars of pressure per bottle. So we're talking sparkling, hint, hint. Uh, currently, well, no, up until this year, there was they this, this sparkling wine had to spend nine months on its knees in the bottle. Uh, starting this year, 2020, it's supposed to be 12. Have we figured out what this is? You probably have. It's a broad category, not a broad, it's a category of wine in a specific place called Cap Classique, which basically is, um, uh, Cap Classique is what they call traditional method 
sparkling wine in South Africa. And by traditional method, I mean they make a base wine and then they put it in a bottle and the second fermentation that makes all the bubbles happens in the bottle. That's what Cap Classique is. So going back, the reason Graham Beck is your who is that he accounts for like 50% of uh, Cap Classique exports from South Africa. And also, all these facts I'm giving you guys, by the way, come from the textbook for the test I'm studying for. Because like a whore, I am uh, using this podcast to also help me uh, memorize things. Because one of the things I learned on the podcast about uh, memorizing things earlier today is that if you teach them to other people, you will remember them better. That makes sense. Um, Also, apparently, Graham Beck typically avoids malolactic conversion or malolactic fermentation. If you prefer, I'd prefer to say conversion. This is not a fermentation. That's when the uh, malic acid is converted to lactic acid. It softens the wine. Graham Beck avoids that. Guys, I like Graham Beck. His rosé cap classique is delicious. So your whites were Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Chardonnay, Blanc, and Pinotage. That's because those are the grape varieties that account for like 95% of the varieties used in cap classique. 1992 is when the uh, Cap Classique Association was founded, uh, where those are just all like the regions that are like more known for making Cap Classique. Uh, I also have a note here to tell you that Robertson and Bonneville are the regions that have more limestone, which people say makes higher quality. I mean, uh, champagne's all about that sweet, sweet chalk limestone, so maybe they have a point. I don't know, but like, as much as people love to talk about soil influencing things, as much as I'm like, yeah, soil totally influences things, also there's all these arguments about why soil has nothing to do with things because there's so many other variables, like, you know, rootstock, clone, technique. It's a wild world, the wine world. We know so much, and yet we know so little. That's why I love it. <clears throat> Why your standards, as I said, like they have to have a minimum three bars of pressure, although like that's seriously minimum. Like I think champagne usually has five to six, like that's kind of standard five to six for a fully sparkling, like in Italy they would call it spumante as opposed to frizzante, uh, sparkling wine. Uh, Starting this year now, if you are a member of the Cap Classique Association, you have to well, actually, no, I think it's like in general, if you want to call it Cap Classique, you have to have 12 months of being on the lees. The lees are the dead yeast cells. Okay, so when the secondary fermentation, when the wine, so they make a wine, they take the grapes, they make a wine, they put the wine in the bottle, then they add more yeast along with some other stuff to make a secondary fermentation happen. Uh, and that's what creates the carbon dioxide that gets trapped. And then the wine hangs out on its dead yeast cells, which give it those toasty, biscuity, smoky, autolytic, we call them, notes. And the longer it spins on the lees, up to a certain extent, the more it gets those notes. That's why they're like, we're like nine months minimum, but like people are kind of like, well, okay, here's the thing. Some people want to play up the aspect of the fruit flavor of the grape. Some people want more of those smoky, toasty, autolytic, bready notes. But apparently now, anyway, uh, 12 months is the uh, the minimum. So, yeah, that was your who, what, when, where, why, wine. Oh, was Cap Classic. That is just like 1 50th, 60th of like all of the 
it's a tiny fraction of all the stuff I need to know for my test on the 27th. Pray for me. I'm not even sure if you're religious. I'm not even sure that I am, but, you know, keep me in your thoughts. My brain has not been up to, like, I have so far passed every test, all parts of it, because you can, like, pass the tasting and not the theory and vice versa. Uh, but I, I think I would have been on track, and then I had a fucking seizure. Uh, so I'm just, sorry, guys. I'm really, <laughs> I'm worried about this test. But I do feel better, because you all hung out with me presumably, if you're still listening to me. <laughs> I apologize if this was an extra dark episode, but maybe that's just what you should expect on season five of The Wine Situation, where we get extra goth. I am Elle Clifford. That is your wine situation, is, you know, drink some Cap Classique, uh, watch a good movie, eat some popcorn with your red wine, try out an Alianco del Volturi by Elena Fucci or others, uh, but this titolo is good, but if you do drink that one, get one, well, this is 2016, get one even maybe a little older, if you can, or get this one and hang on to it. It's just interesting. Ugh, I don't even know, guys. Wow. What a wine. What a wine. What a week we've had. I look forward to talking to you probably next week, unless I'm, like, losing my mind studying, but probably next week. Okay. Cheers, guys. Go forth, drink good wine, do good things, be good people, etc., etc. Mwah! You. I hate it when people like fake kiss the camera. Take that back. Pretend I didn't do it. I will see you guys soon. Last. I just drink wine. wine. I don't fuck with my I just drink wine. I don't fuck with minute maids. I just drink wine. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.